0: The Carolina Panthers walked it off again on Sunday afternoon. Can they make it two in a row versus the Packers on Christmas Eve? We'll look back at the good, the bad, and the ugly from Sunday's win against Atlanta here on Locked on Panthers. You are Locked on Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Julian Council on Twitter, at Julian Council, where on Wednesdays throughout the rest of the regular season, including tomorrow, I'll be right here answering your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions either at me or DM me. Over on Twitter at Juliet Council to get your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions into me. Now today's episode of Lockdown Panthers is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed. The Carolina Panthers were victorious for the second time this season, walking off against a division rival Atlanta Falcons for a nine to seven victory at a rain soaked Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina on Sunday afternoon. And man, what a relief. Really, what a relief it is to be back here talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly from a Carolina Panthers victory. Only the second time this season I've been able to do so and only the 14th time since I started hosting Lockdown Panthers that we've been able able to celebrate a victory Monday here in Carolina. So gonna celebrate them, gonna enjoy them when they come because we know uh, they don't come around very often and when they do, they don't last very long. But we will see, possibly... The Carolina Panthers facing a Green Bay Packers team that's lost to the Giants and to the Buccaneers in back to back weeks, that's fallen from that seventh place spot, the top, the final wild card spot in the NFC playoff picture. They're going to be desperate for a win on Sunday. Maybe Carolina can build off the momentum from Sunday's win. Bryce Young leading his second game winning drive of the season. Could we possibly see the Carolina Panthers spoil Green Bay's Christmas? what they win on Christmas Eve here at Big America Stadium on Sunday afternoon. We'll talk about that later on throughout the week and here on the show today. But first, let's go ahead and get into the good, the bad, and the ugly for the Panthers' 9-7 to victory. And you look at the scoreline 9-7, to you would think, well, that's got to be ugly. No, 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 no. It was a complete team win for the Carolina Panthers, and it was an excellent job for the Carolina Panthers taking care of the football on Sunday uh, in that win. Yes, Bryce Young, he fumbled but recovered. Amir Smith-Marset, he muffed a punt, but he recovered. We knew those plays were gonna happen on Sunday afternoon. The Carolina Panthers in week one and their loss to Atlanta turned ball over three times. That cost him 17 points. The Atlanta Falcons turned ball over twice on Sunday. That led to six Carolina Panthers points off of turnovers, and that's all they needed. Bijan Robinson with a poor time fumble late in the third quarter was converted into a field goal. Then Desmond Ritter. My God, man, what on earth was he seeing on that play throws a hellacious interception when the Falcons could have at least kicked a field goal to make it 10 to six in that situation, or they score a touchdown to put the game completely away there in the fourth quarter. Instead, Ritter throws an interception to Xavier Woods. Carolina Panthers take it down the field around the rest of the clock and kick another game-winning field goal by Eddie Pinheiro this season. And now down in Atlanta, they're talking about potentially going back to Taylor Heineke at quarterback as the Falcons are looking at their playoff chances, not very favorably, falling back-to-back losses to the Buccaneers and the Carolina Panthers. So winning a turnover battle, that was massive for the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. Second thing that I thought was good, the offensive balance. And you're going to look at the total numbers. They had less than 300 yards total. It wasn't that impressive when you just look at the stat line. But when you watch the game, I am impressed by the ability for the Carolina Panthers to have balance On offense, Bryce Young, 18 of 24, 167 yards passing at a 93.6 rating, his second best passer rating on the season. The other one was against Houston in that walk-off win. The Panthers were able to run the ball 36 times, 129 yards, only 3.6 yards per carry. But Chuba Hubbard ran so hard at the end of the game to force the Falcons to use the rest of their timeouts, set the Carolina Panthers in the position where they could kneel the ball down a couple of times before kicking that field goal with Pinheiro. Chuba rushed for 87 yards on 22 carries. Even Amir Smith-Marset was involved in the run game on Sunday, a couple of jet sweeps. He had four carries for 31 yards. Love the creativity from Thomas Brown in the run game. Loved the idea that the Carolina Panthers were able to throw the football, even a little bit down the field. Only one completion of 20-plus yards yards on Sunday afternoon but still Bryce Young if you look at his his chart on Next Gen stats a couple of those throws out to the boundary on the right side were 10 plus yards i think he had 5 out of 7 from 10 plus on the right side of that drive chart of that his whole, his um, passing chart uh, looking at Next Gen stats uh, on the, on the internet so i thought he looked great on Sunday especially considering the the weather Still having some issues with the offensive line on Sunday afternoon. Offensive balance, love that from the Carolina Panthers. Special teams also picked up the slack after last week against New Orleans where it was awful. Three Mayfield goals by Eddie Pinheiro, not getting a turnover in those situations. The punting job that Johnny Hecker did was outstanding as far as field position goes in that game. We knew that was going to be crucial. Love the way that Chris Taper was able to manage that game for the Carolina Panthers. Offensive balance, defense is playing well special teams and all around team victory for the Carolina Panthers and another game-winning drive. Of course, that's great. Bryce Young, 17 plays, 90 yards to kill the final 735 of the clock. Where else would you rather be? That's what he told his teammates when he went into the huddle with 735 left and sitting there at their own five-yard line. The second time Bryce has done that this season, did it against the Texans in week eight, 15 plays, 86 yards, kill the final 617. So in that situation, we have now seen twice Bryce Young be able to do that to where he can Get his team down the field, kick a field goal, and kill the entire clock, not give his opponent an opportunity. That's two more times than Sam Darnold ever did, than Teddy Bridgewater ever did, that Baker Mayfield, P.J. Walker, any of the quarterbacks over the last three, four seasons here in Carolina have been able to do, and that absolutely is a positive when you're looking at this Carolina Panthers season. That is not gone kind of as expected. Bryce Young taking some of those steps to show that possibly he could be the long-term future here in Carolina. Not an overreaction. Just a reaction to a guy who's gone out there and done something that Panther fans have begged quarterbacks to do since Cam Newton 1.0 left Carolina. Taylor Moten, another positive. His Iron Man streak is now at 112 consecutive games, tying former Panthers punter Jason Baker for the third longest streak in franchise history. In his past two games, according to Pro Football Focus, he's had 71 pass-blocking snaps and only allowed one pressure zero sacks the problem for the Carolina Panthers offensive line this season and really the last couple of seasons aside from last year is they don't have five Taylor Motons they only have one Taylor Moton if they had five Taylor Motons who could protect stay healthy and be a leader on this offense the Carolina Panthers would have no issues on the offensive line so unfortunately They can't clone him and have him play guard and center in the other tackle position just yet. Maybe they'll find a way, but Taylor Moten has been the one constant on this offense for years now in Carolina, 112 straight games that he's played here, and he has been dynamite throughout his entire career with the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, he's had a little bit of a dip this year. That's been the entirety of the offensive line, but again, if they could stay healthy like him and they had five Taylor Motens, we would not be talking about moving Icky Aquino to guard or what they're going to do at center what they're going to do at the other guard position moving forward because the Carolina Panthers would be set. And another shout out to Agero Vero and that entire defensive staff and the entire defensive unit led by Derek Brown, Frankie Luvu, and Nick Thurman on Sunday afternoon in that one against Atlanta. Everyone knew. With the weather, the way it was, all the rain coming down, you're going to have to run the football. You're going to find a way to man up and run it down the other team's throat. The Carolina Panthers, for a third straight week, were able to do that. 3.6 yards per carry, not impressive, but a lot better Then 1.7 yards per carry. That's what the Falcons were able to muster on 31 rush attempts for 52 yards. Great job by everyone on the defensive line able to win the day there. The Panthers struggled early on in the season against the run, but they have gotten much better at it over the last couple weeks, especially post-bye. This defense has answered the call. Basically, every week, maybe minus Dallas. Uh, they allowed only 12 first downs on Sunday afternoon. Got the two takeaways. Came into Sunday's game last in the NFL in takeaways. Got two critical takeaways that led to six points. And that was enough for the Carolina Panthers to win this game on Sunday. And again, man, they do not give up a ton of yardage. They are fourth in the league heading into Sunday. When it comes to total yardage allowed, the problem has been points allowed. And the red zone defense... They only allowed 204 total yards on Sunday afternoon after only giving up 207 total yards last week against the New Orleans Saints. The Carolina Panthers defense is playing their tails off heading into the final quarter of the season. And they're going to give themselves an opportunity against Green Bay against Jacksonville and against Tampa for this team to win on Sundays. And you looked at it too. The only play they gave up all day long was that fifty-six yard pass play to John D. Smith. And it looked for a period of time, had Desmond Ritter not thrown that interception, that was going to be a difference in the game. And that would have been unfortunate for an excellent defensive performance to be thrown away by the thrown out because of that. But instead, Desmond Ritter makes a terrible mistake. Bijan Robinson turns the ball over the Carolina Panthers get their fumbles and they win that game thanks to Eddie Pinero's walk-off field goal the second time this season and the third time in a row the Carolina Panthers have won a game on a walk-off field goal by Eddie Pinheiro. The bad and the ugly. Not really much to look at because this was a total team win. I guess the only bad thing is the Carolina Panthers had to make another change at guard. They had success uh, early on when Gabe Jackson came in, breaking off a couple of runs. Then he had the hold call. He gave up a sack. Bryce Young fumbled. Fortunately, recovered the football in that situation. Panthers saw had to punt the ball because of some of the mistakes that Gabe Jackson made. He is now the eighth right guard the Carolina Panthers had to utilize this season. They've had six guys play left guard. That's the only thing I can say bad about this game on Sunday afternoon. The ugly? Well, it's being nitpicky, but Thomas Brown, he is now coached in six games as the primary play caller for the Carolina Panthers, and his team has scored five touchdowns. That is bad. Now the weather on Sunday, you get it. Now the Panthers, the Falcons had more timeouts, than the Panthers probably punch it in there for a touchdown. Uh, late in the game, I did have someone uh, tweet at me being like, oh, man, I wish they would have punched it in. It's like, nah, it's actually funnier that the Carolina Panthers didn't score a touchdown and beat the Falcons in this rainstorm Then if they had scored a touchdown there to kind of capitalize things at the end of the game. That's three games so far this season that Thomas Brown has been a play caller, and the Carolina Panthers have not scored a touchdown. Sunday against Atlanta, you got New Orleans last week, and then on that Thursday night game against Chicago or Smith-Marset, on special teams, at had the punt return, but the offense did not score a touchdown. That's the good, that's the bad, and the ugly from the Carolina Panthers walk off 9-7 to win against the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday afternoon at Bank of America Stadium. We'll take a quick pause and come back, and we'll talk about Chris Tabor, whether he's a candidate for this job, and what his thoughts are heading into Sunday's contest against Green Bay here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in-prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in-prices show your total up front so you know you're getting a great deal of out in fees. Buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. And here locally, in Charlotte, a ton of events going on. Of course, got the Charlotte Hornets for the Jumpman Invitational. Going to see North Carolina Tar Heels. Going to see Florida, Oklahoma, Michigan. All men's and women's teams playing on Tuesday and Wednesday night. Also, you got the bowl game. You got the Mayo Bowl, West Virginia, North Carolina. And, of course, Carolina Panthers, Christmas Eve. What a great Christmas present. If the tickets are as cheap as they were on Sunday versus Atlanta, take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game Time. Download the GameTime app. Create an account and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account and redeem code locked on NFL. That's L O C K E D O N N F L for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. This time last week, Chris Tabor was not a happy camper. The Carolina Panthers interim head coach. And well, why would he be? The Carolina Panthers somehow found a way to run for 204 yards and only gave up 207 yards total to the New Orleans Saints and lose by 22 points. So I can understand why Chris Tabor would be frustrated, especially when his baby, the special teams unit, was god-awful, had the missed field goal by Eddie Pinheiro, who made up for it, of course, on Sunday in the victory against Atlanta with the walkout field goal and three field goals made. And you saw the block punt, which technically was a fumble. Chris Tabor didn't want to hear anything about it. He's like that's fantasy football. No, actually that's the National Football League coming out and saying that actually because your guy didn't block at all, that Johnny Ecker never even touched the ball as far as with his foot, so it was a fumble. But I, I, I kind of tend to agree with Chris Tabor, not the fantasy football part, but the fact that, like, yeah, I'm going to count that as a block punt. It was clearly a block punt, and that was a 10-point swing there on the afternoon against Orleans. And he was not happy last Monday when speaking to the media during his day after press conference, and why would he be? The team was 1-12. They had lost two straight games with him as the interim head coach, and he might have been thinking, I could have a future here in Carolina if maybe we could just win a couple of games. But congratulations to Chris Tabor and to the rest of the organization, everybody in that locker room, that coaching staff. Yes, even Thomas Brown and the offensive coaching staff for getting the win on Sunday afternoon. You saw Bryce Young, if you watched the press conference, just it's felt like a weight had been lifted off of him when they won that game. That was the same feeling against Houston. This guy has never in his life lost like he's losing this season with the Carolina Panthers. That's just the nature of the NFL and the way that the draft goes, where the Worst teams in the league, and I know the Panthers moved up to go get them, and they were very close to being a playoff team, and I don't think a lot of people predicted the Panthers to be the worst team in the NFL this season. It's still surprising to me. Now there's some things that I did predict would happen, like the receiving staff being trash. No offense. not I mean, they're not trash, but not being up to snuff, not good enough to compete at this level in the NFL A lot of the other things, like the offensive line regression, didn't see that. The the rash of injuries. They have 16 players on injured reserve. That's 14 from the active roster and then two from the practice squad that are on IR. They've had six other players that have come off of IR and been activated. So that's 22 players this season that have had to go on injured reserve. That is insane. Hard to have any sort of success with that kind of roster attrition and turnover week, week to week with the injuries. So you couldn't have predicted that, but it is surprising for the Carolina Panthers to be sitting here at 2-12. and 12. So I'm very happy that they won for well, my sake, having to come up here and talk about this team every day. I look back and I read some of the live comments when I did the show yesterday, and people were saying, I've not seen him smile like this in months. Well, yeah. It's draining to keep coming up here before they were able to win the game. Because I, I sat there, I was like, oh man, I don't know if they're going to win this. It looks like they're going to punch it in Atlanta And before Ritter threw the interception. And then it got to the point where I was like, oh hell, they're going to find that way to actually win this game. And then just, I was overcome with joy as you would have heard or seen on the show yesterday but damn y'all like it, it's tough to sit here and to watch team be this bad and I can only imagine like how they feel you feel what type of way I feel a type of way like at least you can get away from it I got to do this And for them, it's their livelihood, I get paid to do this too, but it's really their livelihood, their jobs. They have spent so many years of their life to get to this point and to lose it week in and week out. I can only imagine what that is like to keep banging your head against the wall and getting no positive results. The process may have been right. I like the process of how they went to get a head coach last year. I like the idea of bringing in a veteran coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball to help develop a rookie quarterback. Just the way that it's all played out, has of course not been positive, and if it were positive, Frank Reich would still be here, and I think more of the fan base would be on board with Bryce Young moving forward. But as far as what Chris Saber had to say on Monday afternoon, he has not given any thought to being the full-time head coach here in Carolina. I don't even think necessarily he should be ruled out. I don't think that he should be the top candidate. I like that he's a special teams coordinator to where you've seen someone like John Harbaugh have a ton of success there with the Ravens. They're looking like they're going to be the number one seed again in the AFC. Joe Judge was another one who was a special teams coordinator who didn't have success. I understand that. Rich Bisaccia probably should have got the Raiders job. Absolutely should have got the Raiders job over Josh McDaniel and that complete clown show there in Las Vegas last a couple of years before he got fired earlier this season. He's a special teams coordinator that helped the Raiders get to the playoffs. So special teams coordinators they have a pulse of the entire team they have to really interact with all the guys I do like the idea with someone who is special teams coordinator being a head coach because of more having to be like a CEO also be an on-field coach in that situation but I don't think Chris Tabor necessarily is a top candidate of all the guys on the coaching staff he shouldn't be the top candidate in my opinion should be a Jerry Vero for what he's been able to do with uh, that defensive unit despite all the injuries that we just talked about, and that his staff is actually together, unlike the offensive coaching staff. And there is no reports that potentially could link him to being someone who's going up to the owner. That's just my thoughts on the whole situation. But at one and two, one win so far, the first in Chris Tabor's career as a, co- as a head coach, I don't think that should be enough to really uh, drum up the conversation of him taking over as a full-time coach in Carolina. Now, if they win the next three games, then go ahead, put his name in the hat, figure it out. But still, David Tepper needs to go about the process, I think, the same way he went about it last time. I don't think they need to pay a search firm. That's one of the best grifts going on out there. If anyone's got any seed money, and they want to start up a search firm of your boy, let's do it. Let's go out here and let's hustle all these colleges and these NFL owners and all these pro sports teams out here that are too damn lazy to go out there and interview candidates themselves. I would love to start a search firm. An amazing grift out there uh, that's going on in sports, but it's unnecessary. Do exactly what you did last time get different input from people out there and understand how to go find a head coach who actually fits. He could have taken C Wilkes. He didn't do that. He hired Frank Reich. It made sense at the time. And of course did not play out well. Hopefully there can be some tweaks to it, but I like what he did last time as far as his process, trying to find a head coach more than what he did the first time around with Matt rule. Hopefully, third time will be the charm, but I do not think that search should end with Chris Tabor unless we start seeing a couple more wins to finish off the season. Then maybe he should be a candidate, but why would he be more of a candidate than Steve Wilkes last year? He also didn't take any time to self-reflect off the win on Sunday, which why would he? The team still sucks. They're 2-12. It's a great feeling to get that win. It turns out that giving those guys a day off last Monday, just kind of get their breath, uh, actually worked out in their favor. But they got to still figure out what they're going to do. They've got three more games left in the season. Go out there, beat Green Bay, beat Jacksonville, beat Tampa, build momentum into the offseason. Then that would be possibly the best way for Chris Tabor to keep his job as a special teams coordinator again next season, knowing that he is a David Tepper favorite. And David Tepper, I'm hoping he doesn't make the same mistake again, but he could encourage the next head coach to keep Chris Tabor around. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad idea, even though the owner may want to use him as somebody to really get a pulse on the team. And that's just not a healthy environment. But Chris Tabor has proven that he is an outstanding special teams coordinator. James Campen, hard to see him coming back. And lastly, the only other thing I kind of took away from what he had to say on Monday, Gabe Jackson, as I mentioned, came in uh, to play right guard for Nas Jensen there in the third quarter. They got a couple big runs before a couple of mistakes. And Chris Tabor said that it's something that they felt like they needed to do at the time, as far as bringing in Gabe Jackson into that game and that they'll work hard this week to build off of the good things that he did and try to correct some of the mistakes that he made in the game. But he's still kind of TBD on whether he'll start at right guard My guess is, because he's a veteran and they took some time to get him into the game and had a little bit of success with him, and that Nash Jensen is a young player, only played now three NFL games in his career, and was replaced on Sunday by Gabe Jackson, that Gabe Jackson will be starting at right guard, while Cade Mays will be starting at left guard. That's just my hunch heading into the game on Sunday against the Green Bay Packers. Now, with Green Bay coming to town, the Carolina Panthers, they, of course, got a win on Sunday Is it time to start building some momentum over the next three weeks as they still have three more opponents who sit there in prime position to make the playoffs? We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs And when you do, make sure to add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire it's why small businesses rate linkedin jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors linkedin jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com locked on nfl that's linkedin.com locked on nfl to post your job for free terms and conditions apply I thought heading into the weekend against Atlanta that the best case scenario for the Carolina Panthers heading into the final quarter of the season was to try to play spoiler versus the Falcons, the Packers, the Jags, and the Buccaneers, four teams that all were hoping to be playoff teams here in 2023, and it looks like they've successfully done that so far with the Atlanta Falcons as Tampa Bay beat Green Bay on Sunday, New Orleans beat the Giants on Sunday, and of course Atlanta. Only had 204 yards and lost to the 1-12 Carolina Panthers. Ha, ha, ha. In your face, Falcons. Always feels good. Of all teams to go out there and beat that team. My dad called me after the game yesterday just saying, you know, it always feels good to beat the Falcons. That's absolutely the team that you would love to see the Carolina Panthers get a win against. And they went out there and did it, winning the turnover battle, getting that game-winning drive. And I think they can now build a little bit of momentum. And still the important thing. For the final three weeks of the season is the development of Bryce Young and him feeling confident and looking like a guy who could potentially be your franchise quarterback. Now, when I look at Bryce, you can go back and look at the film, and there are times when given an opportunity to make some plays and given time in the pocket, he can throw some dots. We have seen that so far this season. He just has not looked that comfortable back there under center. In large part because of the receivers not getting open. We know the offensive line struggles and injuries. And of course his own limitations and his lack of experience as a rookie in the NFL. We all understand that. But yesterday I felt like was a good step in the right direction. Now last time we saw the Carolina Panthers have a game winning drive. They came back the next week and Bryce Young threw two pick sixes. Can he learn from the mistakes he made that time around and not make them again this time around? Go back to week one. Bryce Young, intercepted twice by Jesse Bates. Similar throws. Jesse Bates, one of the better safeties in the NFL, being able to kind of cheat a little bit, get off his route, and go out there and get the interceptions. Bryce Young did not put the ball in harm's way on Sunday afternoon as far as in the passing game against the Atlanta Falcons. Can he learn off of the mistakes he made with the pick sixes after having success with that win against Houston coming up on Sunday against Green Bay? We will see. That is so important for the final three weeks when it comes to building Bryce Young's confidence heading into the 2024 offseason where then the Carolina Panthers must find some receiving help, find... You know, I don't even know if they need to find a new offense line, but get those guys healthy and back to having some sort of continuity when it comes to that position. But then, of course, you got to find the right scheme, the right coaching staff around him to help elevate Bryce Young heading into the 2024 season and hopefully turning things around for the Carolina Panthers next year. But really, as a team. You'd also love to build some momentum after getting that win against Atlanta. The Falcons, they have fallen back when it looks looking at the NFC wildcard picture at six and eight. They are still only one game behind the Vikings, the Rams, the Saints, who are all right now tied at seven on seven and seven. Recording this before Monday Night Football, the Seahawks currently sitting at six and seven, but the Falcons, of course, behind them in the standings. Green Bay, who the Carolina Panthers face on Sunday. After losing two straight games, the Packers have gone from sitting in the playoffs two weeks ago to now being um, on the outside looking in. Still only one game back of Minnesota, Los Angeles, New Orleans, and potential Seattle if they win on Monday. They're sitting at 6-8 and eight, having lost two straight games to the Giants on Monday Night Football. Then on Sunday to Tampa Bay. They're reeling. They desperately need a win. Wouldn't it be nice to kind of put a nail in the coffin there for the Green Bay Packers? I don't know. If eight and nine is going to be good enough to get to the playoffs as a wild card in the NFC, it feels like you want to stay there at least nine and eight. So the Packers are probably done done on Sunday. Not technically, I don't think they can be eliminated. Don't think they can officially be eliminated on Sunday with the loss. Maybe they could. I would have to look at the scenarios, but not a Packers fan. So not whole. We'll talk to Peter Bukowski of Lockdown Packers about that later on this week. He can kind of run give us the rundown as far as their playoff scenarios are. But looking at it. The Packers can't lose, but it'd be nice. The Carolina Panthers can kind of put a nail in their coffin. You look at Tampa, in week 18 at home. It's as simple as this. The Buccaneers last year, you play them week 17 on the road. You were banged up. You didn't have J.C. out there. Mike Evans had a huge day. Tom Brady had a huge day. And they took the vision right from you. And they also took away the opportunity for the head coach that you should have had, Steve Wilkes, to be the head coach in Carolina. Really, that's David Tepper's own mistake. And his own, for, Anyways, but still. It would be pretty hard for Tepper. And then we saw Mark Davis do it the year prior with Rich Bisaccia, who turned things around there in Las Vegas and got the Raiders to the playoffs before losing to the Bengals in that wild card round that he moved off of him and got Josh McDaniel. And it's hard not to believe that David Tepper would have done the same thing would have been even more difficult for him to move off Steve Wilkes had they gone out there and won the division Wilkes would have been seven and five in the 12 games that he was the head coach last year had they won that game in Tampa but you look at last season losing that game against Tampa do you really want Baker Mayfield who I don't have any negative things about to say about Baker I don't feel like Baker was put in a great situation in Carolina uh, to have success but really what they needed to find out was could he be the long-term answer and well that was very clearly no that Baker was not the long-term answer here in Carolina he's played well recently down there in Tampa Bay And I'm happy for him, but only so happy because I don't want the Buccaneers coming here week 18, winning here in Charlotte and hoisting the proverbial division crown. I don't want that to happen. I don't want Baker Mayfield to come back here and be able to celebrate on this field after the team gave up on him a year ago. So that's another game that the Panthers should absolutely be motivated to come out there and win, especially knowing it's week 18. And who knows what kind of momentum they have if they're able to win. Against Green Bay on Sunday, then go to next Sunday at Jacksonville. And that's a team the Jags are not in a good spot right now. They're eight and six. They're still sitting there as the four seed in the AFC playoffs, but they are tied with Indianapolis, who is the final wild card team right now in the AFC. And in Houston, sitting there at eighth uh, for, the, for the spot right outside of Indianapolis in the wild card, they have to win. And Buffalo sitting there at eight and six. too. there are one, two, three, four, five teams in the AFC playoff picture that are eight and six. And Cincinnati's got his right now is in there in the wild cards Same with Indianapolis with Houston and Buffalo right on the outside looking in. But Indianapolis and Houston are right there, tied of Jacksonville. To potentially win the AFC South if the Jags are not able to have some success. And the Jags are four and one in division, and they have one more divisional game remaining. It's the Tennessee Titans in week 18. So they are probably going to be fine as far as going as far as a divisional record tiebreaker. But still, Jacksonville, man, they cannot. I know Trevor Lawrence has got some concussion issues. They cannot lose a Carolina next Sunday. I just I love the position the Panthers are in. If they're going to be bad. Let them at least be bad enough to the point where they start to build a little bit at the end of the season, and I know it's only one game, but still, it would be nice if they can just go out there, play spoiler against Green Bay, especially Green Bay, like, come on, forget Green Bay, and then Jacksonville, and then Tampa, what a great ending to the season that would be for the Carolina Panthers so they can find a way to win four in a row, it would be frustrating But still, would it be a nice ending to the season? It's not like you're losing out on the number one overall pick or the number two pick. Maybe the number one or two pick in the second round. That just feels inconsequential to this point, at least to me, uh, as far as the Carolina Panthers go. But, yeah. We'd like to do a couple more victory podcasts here to end the season. So good win for the Carolina Panthers on Sunday afternoon at home against the Atlanta Falcons. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Again, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Subscribe, follow the show. For free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and sure show, follow me, Julian Council on Twitter at Julian Council, where I'll be back with you again on Wednesday to break down and answer your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me over on Twitter to get those questions into me now. But in the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole as always and forever. Keep pounding. And I'll talk to you all on Wednesday.